to all the people who are joining at this point, uh, welcome uh, to this episode of the Super Mage LTD uh, weekly show podcast. Um, today, we are talking with the filmmakers and uh, cast of the upcoming short film Gizmo. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> hey. And of course, this is tied to Super Image because Carlos Plummer, my brother, who's part of the Super Image team, he uh, is one of the filmmakers on the, the team here. And um, they were able to invite me to help do some color work on the film, which was quite an honor and uh, a lot of really fun experience. So also, I guess thank you to you for that. Yeah. By the way. Oh, that yeah, it was it was a blast. Was <laughs> um, so I guess first question is, whose idea was this? Where did this come from? So this was my idea. And um, it, the story is really dumb. But Colby and I just got done working on a music video that the um, that the school did for a music group called Gentry, and Colby and I co-wrote a short film we did with Carlos in our intro class, Haze Fire. And after the Gentry shoot, I was like, "Hey, Colby, you want to work on something again?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, that'd be fun." So I literally just opened up a Google Doc. And just like, as soon as an idea would come into my mind, I would write it down and Gizmo was like the fourth one. And the line in that Google doc was a story. It was a degrading relationship as seen from the eyes of their cat. And then there was, well, I, I think there was a little more personal side to it too. That, as yeah. Well. I have a cat. I had a cat named Gizmo and <laughs> yeah, he was a very good, good boy. Uh, half Persian kitty, so super fluffy. Um, so that's where the name Gizmo comes from. Which is kind of poetic because the model that we're using for Gizmo is my current cat, Ripley, who is also part Persian. I did not know that. Yeah, so it kind of works out a little bit. That is, that yeah. is perfect. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. <laughs> it's almost like you guys planned it. Um, <laughs> almost. <laughs> so, okay, cool. So then when did writing start for it? Uh, writing started, uh, found this out last night by checking Celtics. It started September 14th, 2020. So it has been a good, like seven and a half months to get mm -hmm. to where we're at right now. I think awesome. you, you started off, I think you had about a little over half of it done and you brought it over to me after like a week or so. And we, there was like a few nights where we just like yeah. hacked away at it and, and we got, we got a first draft done. And then we we sat on it for a bit and then we kept writing and the, the whole writing process itself was like probably like what two months probably say. yeah because we we wrote two different endings and at first we we didn't really decide on our ending until halfway through shooting like we were we had an idea of where we wanted it to go and it was honestly um kobe and ada's uh, character work that kind of helped us like really focus in on okay like oh this is the true ending like this is the right mm -hmm. ending because we were leaning towards one, but we weren't entirely sure. And I think that's really what kind of like set it in. But yeah, overall getting back to it, not getting too far ahead. Yeah, it was about a two month writing process, I would say, mm -hmm. but yeah. Very cool. So what are what are the behind the scenes roles here for you three? Uh, I am the producer and AD and camera op and sound mixer. And editor. And editor. <laughs> and editor. <laughs> <laughs> and <Hi. laughs> My name is Carlos. Boy, I do everything. The boy's been hard at work, <laughs> to say the least. Um, <laughs> and Colby and Ben are the writers and directors and sound operators and UPMs mm -hmm. and production designers, production designers, foley artists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sort of thing. I was Gizmo 
uh, when it came to sound, I wore gloves on my hands and yeah. just did okay <laughs> on the floor. Carlos literally crawled over all over my house and like made all sorts of sounds with a pair of gloves. It was great. He told us to only refer to him as Gizmo and he only replied back in meow. Yeah, it was really weird. It was actually a really annoying process. It was really hard to communicate with him. <laughs> he pulled a Daniel Day Lewis on you. <laughs> I had to I had to do it. He even used the litter box. It was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I ate out of a bowl. It's funny. <laughs> So, uh, when did you guys, uh, link up with your actors? How did that all work out? So, um, we linked up with Ada because Carlos and I last semester, we were in a production class together and our final was we had to make five different short films in a group of five and my group, our actress was Ada. And so, um, we did a bunch of different short films. Then we got to the one I directed, which out of the five was the more dramatic one mm -hmm. that we had to do. And when I showed up on set too, I wasn't, yeah. even, I wasn't even in the class, but Ben was like, Hey, do you want to come? And I was like, sure. I, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we were shooting it and it was like a, f a four hour shoot. It wasn't like anything super special. And while we're going and we're setting up something else, I go over to Colby and I'm like, I think it was in between one of the takes. Yeah. I was like, Hey Colby, what do you think about Ada for Jane? And then his eyes just got super wide. And we asked her after that day, if she would like to read the script. Very cool. Yeah, that was we, yeah. the response we got was not the one we were expecting. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Ada can talk about that if you'd like. Yeah, I was gonna say you guys can introduce yourselves. No, they don't. Yeah. Get uh, <laughs> did you did you did you ask us to introduce ourselves? Yeah, that'd be great if you could. I'll let Ada go first since we're all talking. Okay. About story. Hey, my name is Adam. <laughs> this is Kobe. I am Kobe. Yes, I played <laughs> Yes, I was Jane. Um, so the script was very cool. You didn't think I would like it? Like you were surprised that I was like super gassed about it? I don't think it's that we didn't think you would like it. It's just we we saw you work and we were like, wow, this is the one of the like you were the most talented person we had seen on like any sets we had been on at the time, acting wise. And so we were a bit intimidated and we we're like, you know, the script's got to be really good, you know, because yeah. if not, she's not going to be really like, she's going to think she's like above this. Like, yeah, we were worried a little bit. <laughs> like, 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 she's going to think that this is. Well, we, were, we were really impressed. That end memory yeah. short was really good. Like you did a really good job with that. And so we were really, we were both were immediately impressed, well, obviously. And Kobe was the actor in my group. So that's how I met Kobe. But I met Kobe actually surprisingly through just a friend group that we had. And, um, we had like a game night and we were just hanging out and I learned that you were an actor and you were in the middle of a production. And I was currently, um, we had an actor drop out of my group and I was looking for someone. So I'm like, Hey, 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 would you, hey. <laughs> put the hand on the shoulder. And I said, Hey, um, and I thought like, you know, we'll see, we'll see if what, what he says, but then after working with him on those five shorts, which were a ride to say the least, um we i i saw his range you know he could he could yeah. do anything and so i was like gizmo let's send it over and sure enough ada surprisingly wrote me she was like can we please get kobe for john <laughs> and i'm like well we already sent it to him so but yeah so i'll let i'll let kobe talk about that yeah um <clears throat> funny enough actually i think one of the times that you guys were most impressed by what I was doing was the same time you were impressed by what Ada was doing, like the same role. Cause we played the same 
role in those five shorts since several different directors did the same shorts. Um, that same in memory shoot, which mm -hmm. was we were both fun. the dramatic character. Um, but I remember when you first sent me the script, I read through it, and I mean, I've had pets too. I don't know if that's why, but it actually really hit home with me. And I cried <laughs> the first time I read it. I like was tearing up, and I I, I think I immediately texted Ada. I'm like, Ada, we have to do. <laughs> I have photographic proof of him sobbing after reading Gizmo. <laughs> yes, I recall. I sent you a Snapchat. Yes. But yeah, no, I, I honestly think it was it, we took a chance and it and it worked out. Because, I mean, we, we, we I want to say at that point, we as far as Jane, we had some people in mind, but John, we we didn't know anyone. We, we I mean, at one point we were considering having Ben play John, I remember. Oh, I don't even remember <laughs> that. I remember it was like one night we were like, honestly, we might have to have Ben do it. We were, yeah, we were really nervous about that. One, I was nervous about Kobe because like, I remember specifically, you know, because I met Kobe on one of the shorts as well. It was the one that Carlos was directing. Yeah. It, it wasn't the in memory one. I did see that one shortly after. Um, because I, I first saw you on the lunch one or the the germ. What is it? The germ the, one. The hazmat suit. Comedy. Yeah. That and that was really fun. Like, and that impressed me. And so then I kind of like I watched your in memory and I watched a bunch of Kobe stuff and I was like, man, like, wow, like we got at it. There's no way we're getting Kobe too. Like I was like. <laughs> wow this isn't this isn't gonna be a real thing like there's no way and i was just i remember being we were in the car the three of mm -hmm. us we had just dropped darren off after like having dinner one night and yeah you pulled out your phone and you're like we have kobe and i was just like no way like this it was insane. like we got daniel day lewis or something <laughs> <laughs> we were so we we're so happy all right so you know, obviously we want to hear about like how fun it was to make this film, but actually I'm more interested at this point to hear what were the horror stories of uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to share that first one? Well, it depends which first one. Let's start. Well, <laughs> and when we were planning everything, doing okay, and then get on. To yeah, the I was about to say we, we can kind of start beforehand because I, I was going to think the the worst one of all was day one. Oh, but yeah. we'll start with we'll start with pre production, I guess. So pre production was a lot of fun actually because our pre production consisted less of like you know table reads and stuff like that. Um, we let Kobe and Ada, and I, I want them to talk about that in a bit as well, but Kobe and Ada did a lot of work on their own with their professors, uh, building the world around their characters and just understanding how their characters work. Um, yeah, Justin was a huge help for the for the two yeah. of them. Justin. Ju ju it was it just, sorry, no. Justin and Joe. Joe, right? Joseph? Joe. Sorry, I'm mixing up my bad. That's really There's embarrassing. Joe and Dustin. Yeah, and, and, Justin. And, well, and they're probably both going to hear this. And so <laughs> I'm just making myself look worse. <laughs> um, anyways, so we, our pre-production consisted of figuring out how the hell are we going to make it look like a cat? Yeah, how are we going to turn our camera into a cat? And our first, our first step was figuring out how to use, because we knew we'd have to use a gimbal because handheld was out of the picture tripod was out of the picture and dolly was out of the picture so uh we knew it would be a running gimbal but and we knew we'd be using colby's camera mm -hmm. we were doing camera tests without the the gimbal as mm -hmm. early as january i remember yeah. and we knew immediately that we needed a ronin we knew immediately that lighting was going to be an issue that we had to yeah. to solve like we we worked 
it, we blacked out every single weekend in February and it was dedicated to just like each week was a new problem. Like first it was like, okay, how do we stabilize this thing? How do we simulate bounce? How do we simulate jumps? Like how do we make these moves feel natural? And then it was like, okay, well now we got that down. How do we solve the light issue? Like some, some of these scenes we, you know, like we, we really had to take Roger Deakins to heart because due to some of the movements, we we were limited to literally nothing but natural light and so yeah. there were there were two scenes in particular where we literally had to wait like okay the scene's early in the morning we have to be here at 7 a.m and actually shoot this at 7 a.m so that the natural light looks good and okay this other scene takes place at sunset we have to shoot it at sunset and like these were you know each week it was something new and then we had to like you know we brought justin on board and we had to introduce him to the the movements of gizmo and everything it was just it, every week it was something different and it was just that whole month was just yeah packed. i remember we had um like the original camera tests were done and we, we would check out like the lens every week and we decided like what what focal length the cat sees at which is approximately between it could be anywhere between three and 15 millimeters at any given time um for all camera people out there you know that's a very wide focal length um it's a wide field of view but oh, yeah. we so we knew like booming it would not be an option with, with having someone walk around with the boom mic not only with the frame but with the shadows so we also had to figure out sound and um fun fact 90 percent of the sound and dialogue you hear in the movie is adr it was oh, wow. recorded on set the entirety of scene three, the scene when they're on the couch tickling each other, or scene two when he comes in, that is all 100% ADR. Um, and so that was done on another 12-hour day where we got together and just got it all done and ran through the entire film. But um, as far as like production went, hmm. day one started off without without a hit. Started out great. <laughs> we got we knocked down two scenes, which then later we realized we couldn't use. Because we didn't um, shoot him with a gimbal. Because we didn't shoot him with a gimbal. Because we, we were stupid. We were shooting on the couch, and we're like, we can get away with this not on the gimbal. Like, you know, he's just moving around. The no, we were wrong. No, we, we were, were so immediately wrong. wrong. It looked horrible. And so then we're like, okay, you know what? We're gonna do the we're gonna do the next scene with a gimbal. Well, the gimbal decided it, you know, wouldn't show up to work that day. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Ronan said adios. He was, and a, little, he was a little drunk. He was, yeah. a, he was a little drunk and he was being a little bit petty. The gimbal from hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. for real. Like we, it was we, almost two hours. <laughs> no, it, it was two hours. It was two hours. It and two we, hour were set, we were set to go to lunch at like 1.30 and it was like 11.45 that I started getting it together. And I set it up the exact same way that it was set up before. And for some reason, like it just would not cooperate. The focus ring wouldn't stay on. The the like little attachment to get the focus ring on wouldn't stay tightened. It wouldn't balance. It just kept turning off. And I was just like, what the hell is the problem? And I would looked on forums. I tried to troubleshoot it. And apparently we're the only people in the universe that has this problem. And so yeah. we decided to go to lunch early. Um, the mood is quickly dampened on set and I am quickly a bitch, um, which is unfortunate because like it just wasn't, it just nothing was working. So everyone went to lunch and I just took a minute. I like, I sat down on the couch and I'm like, okay, what if I did this? So I got up and I just moved focus ring on top of the camera and it worked. 
And it ended up working like right when everyone came back from lunch. And sure enough, lunch was the best thing for everyone because they got to get outside. Actors got to clear their heads. And when they came back, everyone was fine. Um, I remember Colby had to go upstairs to meditate. Um, that was great. We come upstairs and we see him on the bed and he's all like, yeah, <laughs> he's just, he's just, Hey guys, I love you guys. <laughs> it was great. That was one of the most, if not the most stressful day of my life. Like, <laughs> it was, it was straight up like, I think a 12 to 14 hour day. Yeah. And most of what we got that entire day was unusable. Oh, there was only one usable scene. <laughs> but in, in a way, I'm glad that that happened because, you know, it, it was discouraging. It was really discouraging at first because, you know, this was a whole month of, from our end, straight up just equipment rehearsals. And then for our actors, which I'll let them, you know, expand on in a minute, it was a month of them just rehearsing and getting to know these characters and, you know, crafting backstories and, and figuring things out. And so for all that to happen, we were like all excited and be like, yeah, we're going to go and the first day of set's going to be great. No, it wasn't. But I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of production because every day that followed from them that point on got better and better, especially even to the point where like the last two days of shooting, we actually were on set short a shorter amount of time those two days than we were the first two days. And that's where all of our usable stuff is from. Like those last two days really were where things came together. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a process to say the least. Yeah. Another horror story was realizing that Kobe had chest hair and that interfered with our sound. Yeah, that's why it's ADR. <laughs> that's why all of that is ADR because every movement he made, you just heard this horrific crunching sound. And we're like, what the hell is that sound? And we thought, I asked Cray, our audio professor here, and he's like, well, it could be, it could be like the, the, the sound of the mic, like the fabric rubbing against itself because the fabric shouldn't rub against the mic if you have the moleskin on it. I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Kobe, can you lift up your shirt? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, can you shave your chest for us? Sure enough, it's all good. Everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It, it's almost like that's a trope in movies that we were aware of and didn't think of. Mm -hmm. Well, we know? joked about it even yeah. before that. We're like, you know in those movies when they wire someone, like the undercover cop, and they're like, I can't hear him because he has chest hair. And oh yeah, that's that's, that's a thing. That is a thing. Or they're doing like a scene where he's literally shaving his chest, getting ready. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like in seven where they're like yeah, one scene where they all get ready. Yeah, so that was fun, but it, all in all, it just everything ended up to be just a, a good learning experience and a good way for us to work out problems. Um, honestly, that that first shooting day was mm -hmm. was stressful, but it was worth it. Yeah. I'll say our last horror story was kind of in post. Um, we realized once we were editing and we were, you know, we were sending it off to certain people, like, you know, we were sending it off to you for color. We were sending it off to, to Brooke, who's going to be scoring the film. Um, we started getting input from these people being like, hey, um, scene seven looks really good and it's, it works, but the problem is it's at night and it's supposed to take place like seconds after the previous scene which was shot at sun sunset and so it's like okay we're gonna need to reshoot this thing mm -hmm. so we scrambled we planned to reshoot we barely got the day available there was one day that luckily the three of us and our two actors were available we did just minimal crew that day and it was during the capstones and no one was using the tokina lens so we were lucky enough to get the lens and have you know a boom mic available and all the adr and audio stuff went fine and then their shoot, their reshoot 
worked and the timing was right but then we started editing it and we were just like this doesn't feel the same as the first one like you know just that 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 spark that they had in that first performance just wasn't translating and so we're like what are we gonna do and the scene was longer now it was two minutes instead of a minute and a half so now the runtime was getting beefy and it's like what in the hell are we gonna do and then taylor comes up with this idea of like hey why don't you guys like shoot something like out the window and show the passage of time and then like really rely on the sound and like mix it all together. And I was like, that's actually not a bad idea. And so Ben and I literally hopped in the car and we didn't even use the Tokina because at that point we couldn't. So we literally took my Fuji and my kit lens and we just drove around St. George for like 30 minutes and Ben would just randomly film, you know, speed stuff. And then all of that was in the sound. We, we used two mm-hmm. of the reshoots from the day and we used one of the reshoots from the night and all of the audio is from that first yep. shoot from, from those first takes. And that like for a while we were really afraid because we we're like, this isn't going to work out, but it, it fixed the pacing. It fixed so much of that scene. And that, that, that again, that was a, that was a big nightmare. <laughs> well, and, and for me, one of my favorite parts about working on this was knowing what we would have to do with sound because sound is going to be the biggest part in selling that this is a cat and using this kind of auditory world of a cat's perspective is so cool because there's subtle things in the mix that you that you won't notice at first but if you pay attention you'll notice like where i throw different voices because uh you know how cats their ears move back to to either like deal with an irritation or to pick up a sound behind them well sometimes like if if when so that on scene three when gizmo turns back to the tv and you hear jane say gizmo help me well her 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 sound's gonna be behind his head so it was all a lot of fun to be able to just kind of mix it that way in this kind of like surround sound sense but also just with different things like in that scene seven um you know how do you show a cat in pain without seeing it Mm-hmm. I think that was that was kind of my favorite part of like building this kind of shell shock sense. So scene seven was a lot of fun to to play with and and go through. But um, yeah, I think I think that covers it. All the horror stories. Yeah. Now what about from the actor's perspective? Yes. Horror story wise. Well, just your experience being on set and what it was like uh, living with these characters. Okay. Okay. Well. Um... Like, I know you guys wanted us to talk about building the characters. So at the beginning of the semester, I started taking an acting class with Joe. And he's one of the visiting professors that were here at Dipsy, and he's phenomenal. And we started doing work in class, and I realized, hey, like, the type of acting exercises you do, they really work for me. Like, I feel very genuine in the character. I've never felt like this before. So then I started talking to Kobe about doing character work, and I was like, hey, Joe has this thing that we do in class. Could I teach it to you? Could we try it sometime? He's all like, yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Let's go for it. I was waiting to that. I was very lucky to get to work with Ada and learn. I learned most of the character stuff that I now know how to do from Ada and I guess also from Joe before Ada. But, <laughs> but I learned through Ada. She's the one who taught me. I didn't really sit down with Joe as much as I sat down with Ada. Yeah, so then we, we went and met with Joe for the first time. I remember I taught Joe after my other class that I have with him. We have an accent class with him. Or I do, rather. And I said, hey, you know, Kobe and I are working on this film. Um, could we send the script to you and do some character work on that? And he's like, yeah, for sure. Like, just send me the script and we can meet in my office this day at this time. I'm like, okay, cool. So Kobe and I show up. 
and he starts taking us through the work and like doing these exercises. So what we would do is um, we started working scenes from the script, that, but then we also did something called past life etudes, where we thought about situations that the characters would have been in that would lead to like who they were at the present. So I remember one of them was like, we went to John's wedding. That was a past life etude or another one was him meeting gizmo for the first time that was a really fun one that we did and the amount of like character it brought to them it was incredible how much we learned about mm -hmm. jane and john just from doing that just from having the inner bodies yeah joe likes to say you are who you are today because of who you were yesterday mm -hmm. and it it makes a big difference yeah because even there were little nuances in the script where like what always confused me is when, for example, when we're on the couch, like right before the smoothie scene and John said, love you, and Jane didn't say anything. I was like, why would she not say I love you back? But then like through some of the character work in the past like etudes, we discovered that like, Jane is afraid of saying I love you. And that's never something that I would have thought of, but just because of the character work we did, I was like, this makes sense. Like she wants more from John, but she can't even give it herself. So that was really interesting. Very Good stuff, and I think that's kind of the cool, you know, aspect of this that, like, a lot of people don't uh, think about too often, so it's really nice to, you know, hear that perspective, and um, so to the, the filmmakers, the guys, um, what's next with Gizmo? Where's, what, what's the next step? If I could actually go back really quick, I wanted to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go for cool it. thing that was fun for us actors... Um, part of the character work, because there is a certain disconnect between our characters, is having secrets from each other, which was really fun. Like, the biggest one probably is, I mean, you're led to believe that something's going on on John's phone, of course, that makes Jane react in some crazy way. So what is that? I, I mean, everybody's first assumption might be that, like, maybe John is texting someone on Adder or something and or excuse me, Jane, <laughs> no, cheating on Jane or something um, and Jane doesn't get to know that Jane only gets to know what's on in the messages she doesn't get to know the backstory while we're actually filming it because Jane wouldn't know you know that's why she has the panic attack and I don't know if I don't know if you guys want me to reveal what the backstory was for that or not so my thing, yeah, I was gonna say, do we want to have like a spoiler wall or? No, yeah, because I mean, we've kind of, I was gonna say that there's been the light, like we've kind of tiptoed around some of the spoilers, but um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe let's have a we'll section where we, where, where later on we'll touch on. Yeah, spoilers. we'll talk about it later. If talk about, we'll have, we'll have a spoiler warning. But yeah, Secrets was a really fun thing because there was so much that connected us in the script. Um, we were only able to justify our lines by having quite a bit that disconnected us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest one was the alternate ending. You knew it and I didn't. Yeah. Because ah. from the beginning when you guys talked about having an alternate ending, I was like, don't tell me because mm -hmm. Jane wouldn't know. And if Ada knows, then Jane's going to know. So everything that John knew, I was kept in the dark for. And I remember Adam, was yeah. really frustrating. I was like, I want to know what it is, but I couldn't. <laughs> I remember specific moments on set where we would have to have a, we, we, it was something that would directly affect whatever Kobe's performance was in relation to John and that ending. And Ada would be on set and he'd be like, hey guys, we need, we need to discuss this one aspect of my character. 
And he, it, it wasn't like, because if he was going to do it before, he would just do it on set. But if he was going to say that I, every time, it meant like, let's go somewhere privately so Atta can't hear. And that was like a thing that had to like frequently happen. And I agree with that. I think that, that really helped the performance be as best as it could. You know, it was, it's, it's crazy how, how much effort I got to just, I got to see person as a director go into character work yeah. on something because the only other short film I've really directed before this was Haste Fire. And I only really had one director, not one director, I had one actor who was like a trained good actor. And I didn't know how to direct at that point. So he just kept asking me questions like, like this or this or this. And I was like, yeah, sure. But like <laughs> now after being, you know, and in, deeper into school and especially this semester being in a directing class, working with actors, um, it was nice to kind of have a more relationship and to kind of know a little bit of the actor's process from, you know, from being in class, you know, from Dustin and Patrick teaching me what the actors do and what their process is. It really helped me feel like I could connect with like, okay, Kobe and I have got a process. This is their process. This is what they want to do. And being able to work with and strengthen and support that process really made me feel like I, like I, I, I've, I've learned as a director and it's really helped me a ton. Like that was a really cool experience for me. And yeah, really happy with that. And while we're on that vein of thought, I, I think Ada probably wants to talk about this too. What is it? Oh yeah. The, the uh, amount of respect oh that you guys gosh. had for our process, especially during like the really emotionally charged scenes seven and eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was. that was incredible. The fact that you guys were like, hey, we want to be ready to shoot this in like 30 minutes. You guys can go over here. We won't have anyone talk to you. And even especially while we were shooting scene eight, because that was the first time I've been fully in a character as the character. Like even looking at Kobe, like I saw him as John. He wasn't Kobe anymore, which was wild because that had never happened to me before. Um, so in between takes, the fact that you guys were so like, I don't Quiet, know, and soft and just like, hey, that was really good. Do you want to try doing it this way? Like you were just so careful not to bring Ada out of Jane, and it was incredible. Yeah, there was we were no this this close to going David Lynch on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? What is it? What is it with this? What is it with this? Do it again, but this time good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've literally I've never had directors be that like. I don't know, like, cautious of, like, the state I was in, because usually, like, I haven't worked with, like, directors that, like, are bad, you know, like, that, like, are mean to me or whatever, but, like, usually they don't think as much about, like, the kind of state I have to get into to do all those things. So it was incredible that you guys were so conscious of it, you know? Mm -hmm. It was really, it, it made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then we could just be our characters continually. We didn't have to jump back into it. It was incredible. And the fact that you guys sat down with the whole crew and said like guys i know you're all funny we don't but we don't need to joke around we don't need to talk to the actors at all unless one of the directors tells you to like just that amount of disconnect from like the lights and the sound equipment and just being able to be john and jane it it's kind of crazy seeing like just having been on set the, the vibe between, I mean, and a lot of it had to do with the process and location. You know, we, we, it was a different process and we were shooting, you know, on campus instead of here at my house. But the vibe between that final scene and every other scene was completely different. Like mm -hmm. every other scene at my house felt like a, a film set, you know, P people joked around. It was very light. You know, the mood was very 
very chill for pretty much the entirety of the shoot. And then all of a sudden we were on that last scene and it never felt like a film set. Like it felt like we were in this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say the location cause it's spoiler, but it felt like we were in that place and not an actual yeah. studio. And it, it paid tremendous dividends. Like yeah. the, you know, te technical wise scene five has the, ca the camera work that I am most proud of having my name attached to ever as a film student. And scene eight is my favorite scene that I've ever shot because of what we were able to get. Because yep. yeah, it's simple camera wise, but what that scene's able to accomplish is like, I'm like, I can't, I, I've actually like, I, I, you know, well, it wasn't me, you know, like it's everyone, but I, I it, it blows my mind because it, it elicits certain emotions from people when they watch it. And I'm like, I was able to do that. Like, you know, I only watched people do that my entire life. And so, I'll, and, and, I'll, and, and that's all due to this process that these actors had and the amazing crew that we had and this amazing script that Ben wrote that, that was able to happen. So it may have been a simple shot, but it was not simple on these arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Justin, Justin, I remember I, the take that's in there is the one that I shot because Justin couldn't. He, he literally like, couldn't do it anymore. He, he his, arms were, his arms gave out. Like he was like, my arm is going to fucking be thrown out and i was like oh <laughs> pardon my french um and i was like okay i'll I'll, do, I'll try it and sure enough i i could see why he was in pain because not to spoil what situation the camera's in but we we essentially had to torque it like at an angle and it was just really uncomfortable it was brutal and not to mention our sound guy was sobbing in the back corner <laughs> of the room um <laughs> because he could hear everything and he could hear all of their their prep work essentially he, he was he was listening in quietly to that process the whole time and that it, it got him like he, he was he came up to us he's like <laughs> yeah so yeah it it was it was just an, uh, a was, really intense it was experience. an incredible moment one of my favorite moments ever so far as a film student well i think it goes to show that like you know some of the more simple setups can you know be or take the, some of the the most rigorous planning um but that's the point is they don't they won't be simple unless you guys have like done the work otherwise you know you could do as many flashy things as you want but if there's no like thought or planning going into it like and i think this ties into like you know this is kind of the the mantra that we have on this show like every single person we do an interview with the biggest like thing we hear is about how like limitations end up you know fueling the creativity like yeah you could have money and uh, you know props and sets and wardrobe and whatever up as much as you want and it's still not going to like push you to find solutions the way that limitations will so it's really cool to see, you know, what you guys have all created. And I'm really excited for people to check it out, finally be able to see it. And I think at this point, I'm going to put a spoiler uh, wall here. If you are listening or watching and want to be surprised by Gizmo, then you can skip to a uh, time code that I will post on the screen. Um, as far as from this point forward, we'll just be talking spoilers. If you're okay with spoilers and don't mind, keep listening, keep watching. Um, but you have been warned. <laughs> so, uh, let's start off with that secret you were uh, talking about. For me? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, this was this one was actually kind of fun because it turns out, and I didn't, 
really know what the directors had in mind, and it turns out they had a very specific answer to that question, actually, is John cheating on Jane? And that answer differed between their two alternate endings. That's kind of what drove the two endings. Um, well, I didn't really get that answer from them in the beginning, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that I was looking for it either or anything, but um, I didn't ask for it. Um, instead, in my character development, and this particular given circumstance took a while to hammer out, but I was just going through and picking all my own given circumstances that weren't um, like directly obvious just from reading the script. And I ended up pulling the two directors aside and said, hey, this is what I came up with and this is what I've been operating under for this whole filming time so far, every time I've been on camera. And they were like, I love it. So here's what it was. Um, John is texting someone else named Amber, I think it was. Amanda. Amanda. Anyway, Amanda. named Amanda. Uh, you see that in the bathroom scene. Um, you see the uh, a message that he had typed out to Amanda, um, which I still have Ben's yeah. name. <laughs> My phone is Amanda because that's who I had. <laughs> anyway. Um, so he had texted Amanda something like, I'm going to head over. Here's the secret. It's innocent. His, his messages, their meetups, which are new but regular, are innocent. But um, he is afraid of the relationship that John is afraid of the relationship that he has with Jane. Um, a part of the backstory that we developed is he he's watched his dad get married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced and he kind of doesn't see the point and definitely doesn't want to get hurt like that um, so he's afraid of how much Jane wants from him so he's looking for a way out and he's thinking about it so he's guilty in his mind but he's not guilty in what he's done so when he says to Jane it's not what you're thinking because it hasn't been. Nothing has happened. He hasn't cheated on Jane. But he's kind of looking for a way out. So it's well, it's ambiguous. It plays to any ending, any any of the two endings that they wanted to show. Um, mm -hmm. And then oh, I actually sat down with them and said, hey, I, I think this justifies. Once once we decided that those given circumstances were good for the script, I was like, can we not do the alternate ending? <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's funny is that we... When I remember what Kobe Men told me is that when they were kind of shopping the script around, one some of the some of the reactions were like, "It's a birthday party! Like he's planning a yeah. birthday party." And while yeah, we, we thought it was funny at first, that kind of stuck out to me because I'm like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Is that a thing? Like like it, it, is that like something that audiences are going to connect with? Like if they see like a text like that, you know, is it, to me it was obvious that he was." doing something but i was thinking to myself okay to other people what is it going to be and is that based on the viewers morals is that based on the viewers background because not everyone is obviously going to be in the same place or mindset that that john is you know no I mean, people who haven't ever been in a relationship they're not going to understand the struggle that he's going through people that have been or people that have uh, grown up with things like divorce or breakups they're going to understand that so it was interesting to me how we had to approach it to make it seem to kind of bring the audience where we wanted them to go. Because but there's also such have, thing. Oh, 
well, we can have ambiguity in a sense. We do need to have the carrot on a stick to lead the audience, you know, right. somewhere. Well, I mean, then besides this kind of like what you're talking about is more like grounded in reality. There is also such thing as cinematic shorthand, you know, like mm -hmm. there are certain things that you see in films, even if you've never been in that situation before, you've seen enough movies to know, okay, husband gets text on phone. Like, at least for me, when you showed us the rough cut, it was pretty obvious that that's kind of where it was going. But that's based on just how many movies I've seen and how that's kind of a that's kind of a trope, you know. So and that that's not a bad thing. That's that's a a clever use of that if that's what you're going for. And I think that's you know there was a lot to unpack. And this kind of there's a actor who lives here in Cambria and Central Coast, uh, legendary Hollywood old Hollywood actor Nehemiah Persoff, and he uh, his philosophy when he would play different parts was uh, both on stage and on screen was, you know, if I'm playing a good guy, then I want him to have some like really bad flaw. Like I don't want him to be a good guy. Like he's, he's the hero, he's the protagonist, but I want him to have something that the audience will go, Oh, I don't like that. And vice versa. If he's playing a villain, he wants to make sure there's something in his character that like the audience goes, I like that or identify with or connect with. Because, you know, with a lot of these situations, it's not so clear-cut and dry as, like, oh, it's this. It's, like mm -hmm. Kobe pointed out, like, there's a lot going on behind there. It's innocent, but not really, but it is. Nothing has happened yet. And I think that's that, that leaves a lot to, to unpack for the audience. So, that, I mean, kudos to all of you for, you know, letting each other kind of, like, explore this, flesh that out, because... Um, It'll be interesting to see people's uh, interpretations as they as they begin to see the film. I was gonna say, as as a director, I was kind of hoping that that's what we would get to because out of the two endings, I think the biggest reason, and Ben and I didn't really discover this until halfway through our equipment rehearsal process when we started talking with Jose about it because Jose had read the script and he was at you know Jose's our um, key grip and gaffer, and he was asking us questions about the ending because he had read the endings and it really made us realize like what it's not so much about what happens in the ending. We want the audience to feel a certain way and it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of work and effort to get there. And we're not quite sure how that's going to happen yet. And when Kobe was asking me like, and me and Ben as directors, um, you know, which, you know, this, you know, there's two endings, you know, where, where's the end point? Like I, like Kobe had said, we had an idea of where we, which ending we thought we wanted to pick, and we had feelings on that. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to affect Kobe's process. I wanted him to have a chance to find his way to it because maybe he would bring something to it that we didn't. And I, I didn't want to influence his perspective or his journey to that. And that that was something that I heard from Patrick because, you know, Patrick's you know said a lot of times as a director, like he's like a lot of times, you know. He's like, the one thing that you should not be afraid to say as a director is either I don't know or don't give an answer when a, when an actor is asking something. He's like, because one, if you truly don't know the answer, don't be afraid to say that because most of the time when they're asking that question, they're wanting an answer that's going to apply to their performance. And if you really don't know the answer and you bullshit something, they're going to take that thing that you bullshit and build that into a character. And then the character is going to become half-baked and it won't even be their fault. It'll be your fault as a director because you didn't tell them what was specific. So don't be afraid to say that. And then at other times you might want them to achieve something 
and reach something on their own that's going to help. And I knew that that was our best bet here because we knew what we wanted. We didn't know exactly how. And it turned out Kobe had the missing piece. We just needed to let him figure that out. And he did. He to- he did figure it out because, you know, we weren't living in that character. Kobe was the one living in that character. And it naturally made sense to me that the means to achieve that ending came from him because he was he was studying this character. He was living this character. And that process really, you know, mm-hmm. once again, it paid off. And going back to what you said, Kyle, I think it really is the best way that's going to allow the audience to really, you know, interpret that because that is the thing. Yeah. We have, we have an end goal. We know where these characters are. We know what they're going through and we know what, we certainly know what we want the audience to feel. But I think what's going to be cool about it is I think that the audience, I think will get there, but I think they're going to have different feelings depending on their backgrounds. And that's ultimately what we want as filmmakers, especially with this film. And I'm really excited about that. Well, I think so, even when you guys like landed on the ending that you wanted, it was still really different because, like, if you remember when we were shooting scene eight, I was just all the gonna takes say, were different. I was just gonna say, Ada also had a huge part in how the audience feels at the very end because of scene eight. Yeah, because when we were first, the first couple of shots of scene eight, Jane was angry. She was furious. She wanted nothing to do with John. The ending was very much like they're done their relationship is toast gizmo's probably gonna die um but then the last take we did which ended up being the one we used which was the favorite i was even surprised by it, it was one of those that lighting is too much you made too me much? look white oh, i'm sorry <laughs> um but anyway the ending that that's good the ending that we ended up using i was even surprised by it because i was still planning on like colby had approached me and said hey let's try something a little different you know maybe not so angry lol Um, (laughs) and i like went into it with that i was like okay like she's not as upset but whatever but then when john came in and i saw him i wasn't like i must have had a whole character arc from the car to when we see john come back because jane must have been sitting with gizmo that whole time and I think for Jane, what I figured out is once she figured out that Gizmo was okay, then she knew that their relationship would be okay. She connected those two events. So when John came in and he said, hey, my brother's going to pack a bag, she was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're fine. We're going to figure this out. So that was incredible because I know for you at least, and I'll let you talk about it, you were not expecting my attitude. <laughs> no, the shift or the first attitude? The shift. I mean, the first attitude, I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving like I I don't even know what to do with this but so after having shot it that way so many times where she was just angry at John I come in there and I'm like I, I called my brother back to back you know I'm like talking about how I'm gonna have to go somewhere because what what have we, what have we done our relationship's over I guess because I sent some text messages and um she goes, what are you talking No. And I looked at Jane and I was like, forgiving me? Because like, again, I've seen my dad go through divorce, 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 divorce. He messes up, it's over. And all of a sudden here's Jane saying, you don't have to be like your dad. And I just started sobbing. I looked at her and I just, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit emotional thinking about it. Like, oh, it was incredible. It was, and again, kudos to the crew for giving us that space and that quiet and that super peaceful atmosphere almost like it just it felt like none of you were there it felt like it was jane and john and gizmo Mm -hmm. 
Well, and we're coming up on a wrapping up here, reaching our time limit. But um, yeah, I guess I, I, I where can listeners uh, follow or check out news about Gizmo? I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to be really excited to check it out, see it. So we have a social media page on Instagram right now. It's if I remember correctly, it's at Gizmo underscore Movie. Yep. Should be. You can follow that page. There's probably going to be a lot more yep. updates and uh posts coming through there as well there's not a ton now but we're going to really start building up um you know the buzz for this thing we're going to be screening it um at the end of the year dsu film screenings uh next friday uh for anyone listening that's near the saint george area that's going to be at 5 p.m to 8 p.m uh in saint george at the electric theater uh gizmo along with other student films will be playing there that's where this first premiere is going to be and then after that point we We'll fine tune a little bit more of the edits and then we'll wait for, you know, Brooke will have his process with the score. And then once that score's finished, we're planning on submitting this into some festivals. So, and that, and all of those updates will be on that Instagram page. Great. Great. Yeah. And to all our listeners and viewers, Brooke is uh, the composer we worked with before. We've had him on the show actually before. So if you yeah. can check out our episode where we talked to him, he's a blast. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. He's yes. amazing. Like, already we've only done like two two sessions with him and he's he's great he's what's up <laughs> what's up um great so yeah i'll make sure to include all the social medias uh stay to the end of the video and um i'll have all the social medias linked and uh yeah thank you guys for being a part of this and i uh, can't wait for gizmo to get out there to the world Yay! thanks Kyle. good work everybody <laughs> thanks everyone good work, team. <laughs>